and welcome to another episode of Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob, sometimes known as Shuggy Two Sheds. Shuggy. We are coming to you today as we do every show from the oh-so-gosh Winchester building. <laughs> Scared myself with that. In the downtown <laughs> metropolis area. I thought I was someone else for a moment there. <laughs> <laughs> I went into character and I didn't want to. Um, today we start, Rob. With email? No. Um, we are doing email today, though. I shouldn't have gave that away. But oh, we Wiggy. Today we start a three-week theme on the most 70s type of musical category. Oh, okay. Um, uh... and, and we, I, I don't know, it could be three or four weeks, depending on if we, I'd like it to be four weeks, but you know, every time I say four weeks, <laughs> by the fourth week, we want to never listen to that form of music Yeah, that again. can <laughs> influence our uh, review of uh, yeah. the fourth album. So if, we, uh, if we're still kind of okay after the third album, then we'll, we'll do a fourth Yeah, we'll yeah. think about yeah. it. We're not too angry. Angry. <laughs> Disco makes people so angry. <laughs> it actually does now I think about it. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, anger in the 70s over it, that's for sure. But they, they had their reasons. And uh, yeah, it's also. Which I will explain later tonight. And it's not only is it uh, one of the most 70s type of musical categories, it is also, as we've been talking about, one of the most controversial musical forms ever. Seen by and many. for such, really, for such an innocent type of music, in all honesty. <laughs> all they wanted to do was dance. They did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, disco music and, oh, sorry, disco music is what we're talking about. We didn't even say what we were talking about. We're talking about disco music. It's disco time. And we begin today with a look at not only the biggest selling disco album of all time, but also one of the biggest selling albums in music history, which is the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Featuring the Bee Gees, or as I call them, the Brothers Gibb. The Brothers Gibb. I think I, I, heard that I think I just came up with that. I just came up with that. The Brothers Gibb. Oh, I must have dreamed hearing it before. <laughs> he must have heard me saying it. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't. I don't think I haven't heard anybody say that before. I wasn't at rehearsal. <laughs> I didn't say that at the rehearsal because I wanted to be surprised. So I'm be, surprised. Before we get to all that. Before we get to all that disco. Oh, yeah, I want to skip the uh, the first part because I got a lot to say on this topic. Rob. And I want to have so much to say next week. Can you tell yes, me I can. what happened at work this weekend? Because I just screwed up the timer and I need I a few seconds. I found out I'm still employed. And that's a groovy thing. And I also took some chemicals home from work to uh, do some repairs around the house. They're a little toxic, but uh, I've so got anyways, a uh, where were we here? Disco. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I would say before we, I had no idea what you were saying. I was really embroiled in getting this machinery. That's why I uh, was able to keep going. I knew there was uh, no real audience. <laughs> My before ranting. we get to all of the disco stuff, I want to tell all you faithful listeners out there, all two of you, that. that that uh, we got. Dot Rob doesn't know this because I didn't. I no. didn't bring this to rehearsal because I just got it the before we did rehearsal. This was after rehearsal. This was after rehearsal. Was there was a, we got a very disturbing message. Oh. I got this past week. Those and, are the best kinds. And no, it wasn't about Rob as they usually are. <laughs> and it wasn't about our idiot producer Uptown Mike, although it should have been. 
<laughs> Should have been, yeah. <laughs> There's not enough viewer email about uh, Uptown Mike. Maybe we could get him off his ass if we got Well, we used to get a lot of viewer uh, email about Uptown Mike. They were curious about him. Now they don't care, and thank God. <laughs> uh, we should get actually, we should get messages every week from people saying, What does that idiot Mike do every week? And why don't you fire his ass? Which is a good question. And I will answer that. That's not the email. Well, we haven't the looked letter. in the control room in so long. What, what if he's dead? Oh, who cares? <laughs> to, answer, to answer that question, I'll just say legally, we can't fire Mike at this present moment. But the time is coming, people. I promise you. He may be in for a pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would really hurt him. Uh, but no, the message we got was actually from our friend John in Thailand. Ah, Wiggy, yeah, he told me he'd been uh, catching a show or three. Now, <laughs> sometimes Rob really pisses me off. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so our friend John in Thailand sent me a message. Who, by the way, John Torrance uh, uh, illegally... We think off the internet. We think it's illegally. Now, who can tell? It's a different part of the world. Who they have different tell? rules. And then he sends it to people around the world so they can enjoy them, if you know what I mean. He doesn't and do it professionally. He's not making any money off of it. Sure he is. I bet you he's making... You don't know. He's could be making lots of money off of other people. No, he's rich. He's retired. <laughs> so if there's any authorities in Thailand who are listening to this show, please arrest this man immediately and let him serve some Thailand hard time. Um, <laughs> One of those Thailand prisons. <laughs> in Thailand prisons. Because ah. I don't think that the Thailand officials really appreciate somebody illegally exporting out of the country uh, <laughs> disgusting torrents, you know, really. And putting it on putting it on those uh, USB sticks and then well, sending them out. Turns out you can buy counterfeit anything there. Don't let John off the hook. Because I want him checked over thoroughly by the Thailand government. It'll have to wait till he comes back to the country. Oh, the Thailand government. Oh, yes, oh. the Thailand government. That's what I'm talking about. You're throwing everything off the kilter here. <laughs> anyway, John said in his message that he was upset. This is true. That he was upset that in our episode in which we reviewed Peter Frampton's Frampton Comes Alive album, that it took us... <laughs> That it took us 33 minutes before we actually reviewed the album. Well, John, <laughs> you listen to the show every week, and he does, from what he told me. You should know the startling bit of news I'm about to tell you, which is we always review the albums at the halfway point <laughs> of the show, which is usually around the 30-minute mark. So maybe if you got your head out of your tuchus, you would have realized this before criticizing us. And, it, you know, there's absolutely no reason for it. Sounds like he's lost his sense of timing. He's lost his sense of uh, sanity. Reality? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. the worst. And and you know what, I, what I'm most upset about is from him sending me this useless piece of so-called knowledge that he sent me, which was a waste of my time and a waste of my computer's time. <laughs> I am so incensed that I actually recommend, again, that the Thailand authorities look into John's after-hours activities. That's right. If you know what I mean, what I'm saying here, because if you don't, let's stay, say that the establishments 
that he chooses to hang out in during the uh, oh. nighttime hours. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, they, there may be things, things and people on. who shouldn't even be there in the first place. Oh. And he, I think he takes pictures of them. That'd be awesome. I mean, boy, you, you get a hole in the toilet stall there. <laughs> pictures of people but going that, to the bathroom. We're not saying, though, that uh, John is doing part of any wrongdoing. We're not saying that. We're no. just suggesting we're that it could happen. Speculating. We're speculating. You know what happens when you speculate. You do a lot of speculating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't hurt to check up on him now and then and make sure that he's not breaking any laws in Thailand. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Just check up on him every two weeks and make sure that the people he's hanging around with have, let's say they're more varied in the uh, genders. <laughs> <laughs> They only have three genders there. Yeah. They're simple folk. Yeah, but he could he could stretch that out. If he <laughs> Anyways, we're not insinuating anything. If you want, if John, if you want to get your lawyers, fine. But we're not we're not saying this is definite. We're just saying maybe you should be checked out because obviously you're not of the frame of mind we would like with the kind of insane messages you send us. Yeah, don't hold us to this. These are just rumors we made up. <laughs> but anyways thanks for the message john and uh hope to hear from you soon buddy so we'll get to the music in about 25 minutes okay <laughs> he's like timing it like we're the only ones who, sh who are supposed to time it mike's supposed to but mm. <laughs> <laughs> mike our producer i'm done mike i should tell you about him if i haven't before <laughs> well, i'll save that for another episode because it'll take a few minutes yeah well it's time it's time for odds and ends. Odds and ends. Lost time is not found again. Uh, <laughs> odds and ends. Uh, I'm not explaining odds and ends. You all know odds and ends. It's all. I'm going to explain it anyways. It's all the odds and ends that happened that we tie up from previous shows. Yeah, because occasionally there, there we don't finish things uh, with time constraints and such. Oh, we're running behind time again because I had that rant against John. <laughs> I'd like to have a short show, but I, I can't. Everything about got, me is too long. I got a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff to say about this album here. So uh, okay, uh, we, we might have go. to cut something. Seriously, we might have. This could be a longer show. Email ever. might have to be cut. No. Anyways, okay, I want to tell our fine. <laughs> I want to tell our fine, good-looking audience out there. We we finally are going to be having a contest. We are up. A real contest? Yes. Or one of our made-up. Uh... This no no. <laughs> We'd never make up anything, which we first talked about maybe 40 episodes ago. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's been quite a while. I always thought you were joking because yeah. nothing ever came of it. Well, because I said on the air, when we did our Beatles episodes, actually, right after that, I said that we were going to do uh, a contest, but then there were some legal difficulties we had to get over. Well, now, because some of the legal difficulties have sorted themselves out a little bit, we are now ready, I think, by next week's show, next no. week's show, to do the trivia contest. That's wiggy, man. Yeah, and the great thing is, <laughs> is this is a whole WKRP thing, because I don't think that they can get the answer. I don't think the answer <laughs> is so, the question is so hard that I don't think anybody can answer it, says Venus Flytrap. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that episode. <laughs> yes. 
and somebody got it like on the third try. Yeah, I so, think uh, um, the DJs had to go on a date, didn't they? <laughs> no, I had to go on a date. No, Johnny said that the, that uh, that the prize money oh, was yeah, five thousand. Oh yeah, they couldn't give away the prize but money. Five thousand was for the whole year, not for that one contest. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's he's a kooky guy. <laughs> so um, the one problem we have is that we don't know what to give away as a prize. Rob, do you have any ideas what we should give away? And not not a, not a goofy prize, because if somebody can actually guess this question, well, you know, I I, they should get something. I tend to uh, sometimes sit around my uh, dwelling and uh, look around for things that I can take to the pawn shop, and uh, nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm not too worried because our question is so tough. No one's going to get it. Maybe even impossible to answer. That I don't know if we're going to have to worry about a prize. I really okay. don't. I am that confident. I am, Rob. I really am. So let's make up a big one. So I, but I, but a luxury yacht. No, no, don't be stupid. Because that's what Johnny <laughs> Fever did, uh, and and it ended up I mean, that he I'm had to pay out the five thousand dollars. Okay, so I guess for legal purposes, we should we do have to come up with something, right? What oh, thing? But not something that we have to actually give away because if we say that on the air, Rob, we have to give it away. We gotta and pay somebody for... could know this, so don't be stupid. We gotta pay for um uh, postage. I know. Yeah, I didn't read right now. We're we're very cheap. <laughs> but what? <laughs> so just tune in next week. For, we're really going to be behind tonight because all these things I've been talking about have taken about five minutes longer than I thought they would. So tune in next week for, for not only the trivia question, but also what the prize is going to be. Not that we're worried about giving it away. I'm okay. Just telling you. okay, good. That gives us a week to figure out what our prize will be. I'm not even telling <laughs> Rob what the either the question is. I don't want to know the question. Or gonna, the answer. I want to hear it that night on the show and so I can this answer is, it and ruin the entire contest. Yes, exactly. This is a legitimate question. It's it's not a made-up question. And I the reason I don't think anybody's going to get it, because I checked when I wanted to do this like on the 10th episode <laughs> so long ago. Is that I checked on the internet and I could not find a place where people could cheat and find that question. But I know, I know that this is an actual thing. This question is, is I'm not making it up. And I don't actually think that anybody can get it unless they're movie and music obsessed like I am. Jan Smithers. So anyways. <laughs> also, oh, we got another thing. Fraudsonance. Also, this is exciting. Coming up very soon, maybe after our three or four part disco theme, we will be choosing three or four a albums randomly with no theme. It's our no theme. Uh, oh, okay. Section. We're getting back to uh, that Rob album. likes when we don't. Rob likes the themes, but he also likes when we take a break and have no themes. But we're not going to choose the albums. Our audience is going to choose the album. Oh, this is crazy. This is crazy. Yeah, you know you what? This may be too Too crazy. much power. Too much. Uh, they'll go mad with power. It's like it's like communism, where we give the people too much of a say. They'll expect it all the time. No, no. <laughs> so if you have any suggestions on albums you would like us to review, email us at songsfromthe70s at gmail.com. Don't, don't interrupt when I'm giving... The email address. You that is stupid. You shouldn't leave that so much. That is actually a stupid leave thing that much to space do. space between your words. I okay, know. so I have to do it again. So if you have suggestions on albums you would like us to review, 
email us at soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com. That is soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com. And we will read your suggestions and then delete them. No, <laughs> no, we won't delete them in the bin. We will pick at random. At random, we're not going to say, oh, I like this album. So we're going we're gonna to pick at random three or four albums. We're going to put them on a dartboard. And we're going to put them on a dartboard. Cheap. And we will decide we're going to, you know, do this or that. You can even, if you want, pick a Grateful Dead record. But if that comes up as one of our choices, <laughs> then you, you will get a oh. little present in the mail from my dog. That'll be a show. <laughs> can you guess what my dog's present for you? Come be? on, you Grateful Dead fans. Get in there. <laughs> oh, man. And trust me, I almost want a Grateful Dead record pick just so I can send you my little present from my dog. I think that show will get a higher rating than the, the Grease soundtrack. <laughs> uh, okay, now we're rolling along. So remember, we got the contest, the contest. And we got viewers, viewers, listeners picking our uh, three or four albums when we have our no theme section. Uh, we got lots going on. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is freaky. So we're all booked up for the next five weeks. Oh, and I got something after that. I got, I got oh, actually geez. something for the whole year. So I'm not worried about that. <laughs> okay, so today, of course, of course, of course. Of course, of course. Email. You email. I like email. You, you like, like email. email. We all like email. Oh, I got you, Rob. You did. You're supposed to <laughs> raise up the drumsticks and then drop them quickly. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay, so today's email. Oh, I forgot to go over something with you before the show, Rob. That's okay. It'll come <laughs> off smoothly anyways. <laughs> Don't you worry. I'm in pink form. Uh, we got to get a lamp in today's, here. Today's, yeah. We need a producer. Oh, yeah, we have one. No, we don't. Uh, today's email is from a guy or a gal called Chris. I don't know. He sent, he or she sent no last name or address, you lazy asshole, or <laughs> asshole-ass. Uh, no gender discrimination here on this show. Right, Jill? Jill knows. Jill knows. Uh, okay, Chris, with no name. <laughs> you know, I almost don't want to read this question because Chris was arrogant enough not to give a name. Ah, but you've already got it on your computer. Oh, she could be hot. Yeah, yeah you're looking at this the wrong way. But then it could be a dude. Could be, but let's uh, use our imaginations. Okay. Chris, you're a pretty good-looking dude. <laughs> <All that. laughs> you're a good-looking dude. <laughs> okay. Uh, cut off shorts. <laughs> <laughs> cut off 70 shorts. <laughs> okay, Chris, with no name. Because it was too hard to type your name. <laughs> I, I, I kind of blanked there for a second. I don't know why. Um, Rob is going to read your question and we are going to answer it like the professionals. These are. But you know what? Like professionals. Did you print it out on paper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, why can't you just write your address? It takes like two seconds and then just the last name. Yeah, like, we're not going to give you anything. But if we did, we couldn't because you didn't. Anyways. <laughs> I don't, I don't like this guy. Now I think it's a guy because he's got the shorts on. Because right? he's got you. But you're mad. You're I'm mad, mad. And I don't want to get mad at a beautiful woman. So, Chris. Chris, You jerk. You're a jerk with your mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and your 70 shorts. Like, Rob right now is going to read the question. But he's not happy reading it. No, I'm not. But I read it wrong. 
All right. Today's viewer email. This is the question. Today's viewer email question is coming up Soon. right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost here. <laughs> hey, guys. Can't you find a segment that Rob can do? I know the segments you have done in the past haven't worked so well, but he doesn't seem to do anything. <laughs> I think he's funny and would like to hear him do a segment now and then. Is that the question? Ah, by golly, uh, I think I read it as a sentence rather than a question. Let me see. Let me see it. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, you're right about, yeah, he doesn't really do a lot. On There's the going to be some segments coming up by oh, me. Oh, no, let me finish because this is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good question. You know, Chris, what I said to you about being a, a, an asshole and, and, and all that stuff. This was such a good question. Did you know what? You're a stand-up you're, you're now a hot chick. <laughs> <laughs> You've been elevated to the status of hot chick. There is nobody who wants Rob to do his own segments on the show more than I do. <laughs> and I want him to write funny and intelligent scripts once in a while, like I thought we were going to do when I started this program. But I would also like to catch a leprechaun <laughs> and take his pot of gold. But I don't think that is going to be happening very soon. You just got to hold your breath and wait. Oh, and it, by the way, we don't recommend holding your breath and waiting. I've done that before. <laughs> because you would die by the time Rob Yeah, you kind of uh, wake up thinking, oh, uh, what went wrong? And I have thought of three or four segments for Rob. And they've oh, all been they, disasters. They've all been utter, utter disasters. Stunning disasters. Stunning disasters. Other people can't write for me. I've got to write One for segment didn't even make the air. <laughs> it was so bad. We never even broadcasted. So, <laughs> listen. In all seriousness. Let's get, all, let's get serious. Let's get serious. In all seriousness, <laughs> if you're one of the few listeners out there that are fans of Rob, <laughs> at present, just, just be happy that Rob is still doing the show because I swear to God, there have been times that I have actually picked up the phone, called customs about getting that monkey sent over. <laughs> I really would like to work with that monkey. Monkeys, they get hair all over the work. You got to shave them. You get hair all over the place too, but not from your hair. <laughs> <laughs> and that aggravates me. That's not from my deteriorating clothing. <laughs> deteriorating pubic hair. So, uh, and that's not a, that, I shouldn't joke about that because Rob's, Rob's problem with his pubic hair it is not—it's not a funny thing. Don't carry glowing things in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Said your girlfriend. Okay, so I promise that we will try and find a segment for Rob. I always promise. Promise. But <laughs> Rob, <laughs> you don't know what I'm working with, people. You don't know what I'm working with. Right there, as soon as you said, "I, I promise," uh, that was my cue to laugh. And you know. I have to say that and I, th they're not going to like this because the impossible <laughs> it is the impossible dream. <laughs> I'm also rescinding because I know it's going to be a disaster. I'm rescinding what I said a couple shows ago about me and Rob switching roles. <laughs> I wasn't even scared about that because <laughs> he, as as much as I would like that to happen, it would be such a disaster and such. Uh, a, a headache in the editing room to try and make all the sentences fit together. I I ought to give you what you seem to think you want. Yeah, we're not doing it because it's not. I know. I know even before it's done, it's going to be terrible. Rob would not only. This is a total switch, which means Rob not only that week 
would have to come up with the segments. He would have to write the segments. He would have to do the background on the bands and the album and all the stuff that I do. And I'm telling you, he won't do any of it. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I promise And you. welcome to Sounds mm. of the 70s. From the 70s. Of the 70s. Yeah. That, that actually is... I would... I would be euphoric if it was actually that good, Rob. <laughs> I just got the I'd like sense, to... <laughs> this sense of dead air. I, I, I'd like to just say, you just wait and see. But uh, we got to eliminate a segment now. You'll probably have to wait till next winter. So we're going to go right to the album because we've got to eliminate the segment. We're, we're what twenty five minutes in. We're, no album yet? We're almost 30 minutes into the oh. show. And you know you know how John hates us to be over time. <laughs> um, I am going to say that we will have it on next week. And the segment, oh, the segment yeah, yeah. was going to be our segment called... I totally don't remember. What our segment was going to be, <laughs> our segment was going to be... I completely missed that. Okay. We're not going to say it because I can't legally say it. <laughs> I can't legally say the segment because uh, it infringes upon the restraining order that the James Brown estate has on me. So I can't and say it. I can't it say it because I have no clue what it is. Okay. It starts with Papa and it ends with mess. And we will be doing that next week. <laughs> God, Rob is you know, you don't, seriously, people, you have no idea what I'm working with. I have to do everything. Angry when I talk. Seriously. Angry when I'm silent. They think I'm joking, <laughs> but I have to do everything. Some week you're going to go, could you listen for the, to the album for me? I just, I'm just so stressed. <laughs> no, when that happens, I usually just call and say, listen, uh, I'm sick. I can't make the show. <laughs> Actually, he has done that a few times where, you know, I've been so busy, I didn't listen to the album. And uh, let's just not tape this week. I'm we'll do it next week. We'll get around to it. So, for all we you, always do. I'm going to say this, and I hope nobody gets offended. For all of you freaks <laughs> who are fans of Rob, you shouldn't be. Get a life. The guy helps me zero percent. Although his reviews are excellent, but that's half that's of the, the show. That's the one thing I do. That's yeah. half of the show. The other half of the show, he's he's. I oh, forget it. I listened to the hell out of that album. You don't even know what album we did. Saturday Night Live. <laughs> that John Belushi. Oh man, um, that would have been a good idea actually for an album back in the day. All Saturday Night Live. Well, they had national. Ah, I also debated since we have a little bit of time because I'm skipping our the segment over the thing of of the thing. Um, I've been. I, I like to hear from you people. I really don't want to do comedy albums because they don't translate well. Uh, that is to reviews to have any reference for comparison. I mean, uh, yeah, and you know, a lot of times, except for your, you know the occasional album. You only listen to them once or twice, and then you and probably next we'll be listening to, to a sound effects album. Because there's a lot of great albums in the '70s, of course. That was the heyday of of like really cool. That was where you got underground music, you know, like yeah. the music that you had that you couldn't listen to or let your parents know that you listened to, like Cheech and Chong and George Carlin and Richard yeah, Pryor right. and National Lampoon and all <laughs> these people came out with comedy albums and they did really well. But none of them you could listen to with 
and let your parents know, oh, mom, I just bought this new Richard Pryor album. <laughs> <laughs> you take that back right now, boy. So uh, that language isn't right. That's not funny. Yeah, that's like that's like oh, that's how my mom talks. Um, <laughs> so I I didn't want to do this even years ago when I thought of doing this show, and I still don't because I just don't think it translates well. And yet it is so part of the seventies, really. Yeah, it's we'll a tough a, call. We're we're still we're still. We'll have a place. special uh, different show just for uh, we'll do it for two weeks. Uh, oh, that's a good idea actually. Rob does come up with good <clears throat> ideas for like shows, but it wouldn't be sounds in the seventies. Would be like. Uh, yeah, these comedy albums from the 70s. There's something. still sounds. People talking are still sounds. Uh, Do you understand now, people, what I'm talking about? I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I am working with a monkey, but worse. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, today we review the first album in our three-part series on disco music. <laughs> I was going to the sing something. I was going to sing something, but I couldn't. I, for, I blanked out on what to sing for this. <laughs> I was going to sing Disco Inferno, but I'm saving that for later. <laughs> and, and that album for this week, our first album, is the cultural phenomenon known as the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack from 1977. Now, I'm glad we kind of skipped. Oh, I don't. Uh, ooh, rock. skip the last segment. No, well, yeah, I'm glad we skipped. I am because we're gonna need I have the to time. talk. I want to talk about disco music in general. You're gonna give me three minutes before I'm gonna leap across this table and. Yeah, I didn't, uh, Rob. What I didn't do was set up a tab for what I wanted to talk about in disco music. So, hey. Oh, you know what? What happened at uh, work this week? <laughs> a funny thing happened. I I found that leg I lost last week. Now, where exactly was the leg? It was in a barrel with some industrial fluid, uh, uh, xylene or uh, alcohol. I don't know. It was just floating there. Eileen. No, xylene. Oh, xylene. She's from um, Yugoslavia. And then what happened? I'm almost there, Rob. Okay. Well, then what happened? I uh, stuck my uh, tongue in an electrical socket and uh, got electrocuted, but uh, I get some money for it because I'm a victim. They know so me, so basically, disco music as we know it, it derives from <laughs> discotech, which was in the late fifties and well, the fifties and sixties, was which is a French word. It started in France, where people would go to dance. It was mainly places where you would dance, and of course, they didn't have disco music back then. But, but they people had discotechs. But they had discotechs where mainly you just you you would dance and. Uh, that's where the word, of course, disco comes from, because of the discotheques. And this was music that was mainly produced to dance. Geared towards dancing, 100%. Geared towards dancing. Uh, what, you may ask, is disco music? Why is it called disco music? What makes it different from other forms of music? Well, why do I have to find it's this information It's the devil's for music. The see, <laughs> please continue. You missed please. my good line. Okay, <laughs> the rhythm is is laid down by like syncopated bass lines. I don't know if you know what that means. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, so, thank you, Rob. And uh, I know that one. The most, I guess, the most important thing is it has a continuous beat. It has a four on the floor beat. Yeah, that kind of a quarter boom, note kick boom, drum boom, as opposed boom, to uh, boom, the, boom, the, the, boom, boom, exactly like yeah. that. Yeah, boom, boom. Bump. Constant beat, which... Uh, 
it helps just with, makes you yes it helps it with the dance helps with the dancing and for length of time like that's why a lot of disco songs are five seven minutes long because they don't they like to dance to the same they i don't know who they is but the people who were dancing to disco in the 70s would dance to would like to dance to the same beat or the same rhythm for a long time and then move on to the next song and uh, so you don't want to like a two-minute song and we're going to get to why disco started as a form of music because disco started as a form of music about 1973 kind of for the uh, urban black audience and the the gay audience because the funk music that these people were listening to was too complicated yeah it was starting to get weird it it was getting weird and it really wasn't you could dance to it and then there was weird stuff going on so it wasn't like you listen to Parliament or Funkadelic or, or Parliament Funkadelic. You couldn't really, you could dance a little bit to it, but then it was getting really weird. And, you know, a lot of funk out, uh, I was going to say outfits. I meant outfits as actually bands, but funk bands or artists, you know, they they were very, uh, they weren't operated to dance. They were they were hardcore yeah, style, type of music. A lot of the music, uh, late 60s and early 70s, was listening music. Was, mm-hmm. uh, there wasn't too much mindless pap. So there the, was some, but there wasn't. No, uh, you're exactly less. right. You're exactly right. And then with, you know, it was really hardcore for, for all audiences, funk, even though I love funk. It's really hardcore music. And, you know, you take James Brown. You listen to James Brown, but then he stops and goes, you know, and then he stops the band. Yeah, yeah. And, then, the and, does and, that yeah, and that makes and it hard to dance to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been drinking for a while. You've been uh, doing a few chemicals. Uh, it throws your uh, your whole thing off. You know, what do I do? Do I do something different? And then it comes back into it. It's an interruption. It's an interruption because you were doing your thing. Yeah. You say. And uh, the only uh, the the type of music also that that was that the black audiences, the minority audiences, uh, gay audiences were listening to was R and B and soul. But that was very much uh dynamics involved and they didn't they they didn't want dynamics like they didn't want the music to go up and down and and yeah, if you're gonna dance to stuff like that they pretty much uh, everyone involved in the dance has to know uh know the music well right and very subtle and so you had you had uh funk music which was too heavy for their liking and rhythm and blues and soul which was kind of too light and disco music filled filled that void excellently for these people it wasn't too hot it wasn't too cold it, it was, was just, just right. right for dancing <laughs> and um that's how it all started and it started around 1973 and one of the first songs that was called a disco song if not the first i think it's i think it's recognized as the first disco song to make the charts was the hughes corporation with rock the boat rock the boat baby uh, I guess it's disco. I don't look. I don't really look at these early disco songs as being all that disco. No, but I've heard uh, that one the because another stage. one that is considered right after that a big um, forerunner to disco music was Kung Fu Fighting, and I don't really see that as a <laughs> disco song. But they do, and they know more about it than I do. So if that's if if that's what they say, then you know. What, a, who am I to disagree with Early that? pre-disco. But I do look at it as very pop. Like, I would never have classified those two songs as disco. But, again, 
you know, I wasn't really in that frame of mind at that time. Uh, but then when it advanced to like uh, what we consider real disco, uh, that was probably the next few years. Right. A lot of a lot of the background for disco music came from the from the Philadelphia Sound. The well called the Sound of Philadelphia supplied a lot of the background music and also a band uh, made up of session musicians and popular musicians in Philadelphia called MFSB, who is actually on the side of that Fever soundtrack. Uh, did a lot of background music for disco records because they just they just knew how to to play that type of music. So that was a lot of the background. Unfortunately, as 76 and 77 came around, a lot of disco music became more computerized. They decided that they didn't want real musicians to play the drums or whatever. And that's where I think the backlash came in. A lot of people, I remember this time very clearly, even though I was very young, I remember that they're like, People, as we have said a thousand times on this show, people took their music seriously. Yeah, if you turned on a radio station and there was a disco song playing, you uh, switched away from that station and you never listened to it again. Right. It was not your station. It was not your station. Remember, remember when our when one of our local stations played played the type of you remember that day you played the type of music we didn't like at yes, that time. I turned and off we knew the radio. that that day that, that it would never be the same on that station because that station played like rock music all the time and all of a yep. sudden there was a more danceable track on this is early eighties. Yeah. And I remember we just probably said, about eighty five, yeah. I think, even because uh it was good up to about eighty four. Yeah, and then it just all changed. It took one song and we knew. It yep. took one song <laughs> And we I was knew. listening in the morning and I heard the song playing and I was like, oh, the DJ is going to come on and say something funny. <laughs> and the song went all the way through and my jaw just dropped. Yeah. Like, and you knew that that station would never be the same again. Yeah. And it wasn't. So, um, you know, there was specialized record companies also for disco music. Now, I'm going to talk about this more next week. I don't want to talk about. In fact, we're running out of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, But I will continue with this next week about the backlash against disco music. But basically, all I wanted to do this episode was tell you what disco music is and when it started. Now, we got our album for this week, which is the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, which, oh my God, it sold 50, it has sold so far 54 million copies worldwide. Like, you don't... People don't realize if you didn't live in 1977, late 1977 and through 78, how everything revolved around this. Time. Just like 1976 revolved around Frampton Comes Alive, 1977 revolved around Rumors and Hotel California, and 78 revolved around this album and its polar opposite, the dreaded Grease soundtrack, which is so opposite to the the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, they shouldn't even be mentioned in the same <laughs> sentence. But those two albums just totally took over 1978. It was just, you know how many singles were off the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack? Uh, six. Yeah. Which can, is uh, guess unbelievable <laughs> to have six songs, really, because you didn't play one song, like three songs at a time. From You didn't release three songs at a time from an album. You released one song, you let it run its course, it took forever for How Deep Is Your Love, which was the first single to get off the charts, and then you released the second song. So this took like yeah, and this 15 was months before for a was, year or two, wasn't it? Oh my god, yeah. It was like it was popular for a year or two, yeah. And it was on the charts like forever after that. 
and uh, I don't know if people realize the total phenomenon that one is. Now I got to tell you a personal well, the story. The very album cover with, uh, with John Travolta in the pose. Yeah. Everybody knows what that is. Everybody knows it's such a cultural phenomenon now. It it actually embodies disco music. It really does. Yes, it does. I think when people think of disco music, they think of that pose. That one picture, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna tell you a personal story. That's kind of funny. Uh, of course, everything is being played on in 1978 uh, from Saturday Night Fever. It's just a big soundtrack. And the movie's big, too. The movie was a great movie. And uh, I was kind of, like, interested in the hoopla. I was not a disco fan at that time. No, I was one of the disco. I was not a disco hater because I'm more of an open person than a lot of people were at that time. But I still knew that it didn't really affect me too much at that time but there was such a phenomenon that you, i really yeah. wanted to hear this record you didn't see it as a potential threat to rock and roll i did not although yeah. i don't know why these i mean we'll get to that next week we don't want to get into that because you don't have much time but people did think of it as a threat yeah i did not i was more open to all kinds of music it's just that the electronics of it as far as replacing instruments even at that very young age rubbed me the wrong way yeah, that and string sections being replaced by synthesizers. Yeah, so. well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. And that's also a cost-cutting measure. Next week. I'm sorry, Rob. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll get to that next week. But the story I have is that I got this record in 1978 and listened to it and really enjoyed it for all of 1978, 19. I have no idea where I got the record. <laughs> like, how? Well, there I were don't so remember. many out there. It could have, like, blown in on the wind. It could have. <laughs> like, there were so many albums out there. Uh, every uh, house you went every, to every house where there was, Saturday like, someone listening to music soundtrack. had this, unless they were rockers. In which but case. it is literally, Rob, and this is funny, it is literally the only record that I cannot account for. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember buying it. I don't, like, my brother definitely wouldn't buy that. He's, he is and is He's a rocker. still is not a disco fan. So he didn't buy it and bring it in. Uh, maybe it was a birthday gift from somebody. I just have no idea. But I do, <laughs> I did have it. And for some reason, I don't know why it's not in my collection now. Because I, I like the album, actually, I, at the time. I think Divine Powers are at work. It is a total mystery how I got the album and why I no longer have the album. Maybe there's drinking involved. I I think <laughs> later on there may have been. A, I'll bet you my Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. So, anyways, I just thought I'd throw that in. Um, the album. Uh, now we're just going to talk about the quality of the album. The, I find the album, and I listened to it. I swear to God, listened to it this week for the first time in 40 years. Just like I said. Last week when we were talking about, what were we talking about the last show? Uh, we were talking about uh, that previous album that we had done. Oh, yes, that was a good one. It was a live album. It was um, uh, da, 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 da. It was not Kiss. It was the one after Kiss. No, Kiss. Was no, it Kiss? It was, it was Kiss. Kiss. Yeah, okay. I hadn't listened to Kiss since like that, to Kiss Alive since about 1980. And same probably for Saturday Night Fever. I hadn't listened to the whole album since 1980. So we're talking 40 years. First actual listen, but I have heard, by golly, six, seven, eight, nine, at least ten of the songs. You had to have heard. Like, people, no, I've just heard not talking at you. least ten of the songs yeah. on radio. I think most people, either by way of intentionally or not, have heard well, that's about That's something ten, I want to get into, songs, yeah. uh, specifically the Bee Gees okay, songs. Okay, I'll move yeah. along here. Um, so I haven't heard this album in 40 years. I remember I really liked it when I heard it, even though I couldn't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to survive school. And um, 
which is oh yeah that's right you did i mean we did not have disco bands at the school we went to trust me and i listened to this week and i was so blown away you know something else that time you knew about uh, the Bee Gees and uh, the stuff they did in the 60s and up to that a lot of other people didn't like our friends uh that crowd no, they so didn't know. this was just like uh the Bee Gees were new to them and they thought this was all they did and they sang very <laughs> high like they sang actually like barry gibb had that falsetto which he just started when they started playing like more danceable music with well, the, the thing i 75 yeah you know, i thought i read was um uh, when the guys were coming to uh to hear the music for the movie that uh these guys had done they said we love this but uh could you make it a little more disco-y yeah that's true actually i should have got it i should we don't have time again i should have gone into uh how they actually it's a very interesting story how their music i will i'm going to touch next on week it, we'll, uh, this no, is all, we're all doing the album next week though <laughs> what i'll say very quickly is that this album this movie was at, which i didn't know until i did my research this week this movie was actually finished before they even approached the Bee Gees. And there was actually music used in certain yeah. sequences that were not the Bee Gees until the 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 movie was being produced by Robert Stigwood, who is the Bee Gees manager. And he said, well, I'll get the Bee Gees to do the songs. And they had all the songs they contributed. They had already written half. These were songs that were intended for their next album. And uh, so they just by serendipity really all these songs fit perfectly with the movie and with the theme they did change some some words here and there you know like night fever was oh staying alive was had another title it was uh yeah the something involving saturday night but uh, Sa yeah it was called saturday night yeah, yeah, yeah. and then because mm -hmm. of the so many songs called saturday night like the Bay City Rollers, they had to change uh, it to stay on Saturday nights. All right, for right. Fighting, yeah. They said, okay, we'll change that. They changed Night Fever, so it goes with Saturday Night Fever. But mainly, they had all these songs written before they had seen an inch of film or the or the script, and uh, it worked out perfectly. I got another story though. This is such a great story. <laughs> is that you know this this was such a a blessing for the Bee Gees because it was a a a second revival even though you know their last two albums had done very well as far as moving into the disco dance movement but it's really to me one of the saddest stories because of 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 20th century music because the backlash just because yeah. they be, were popular this album was one of the few cases where it was too popular yes it was because it was so successful i mean other artists had uh, kind of dabbled here and there uh uh i know uh the stones miss you uh everybody dabbled rod stewart everybody uh, kiss dabbled. when they did the uh, back of the new york moon had uh, oh york i was made for loving you yeah, yeah. Uh, by kiss uh paul um, mccartney had good night tonight every almost rod every stewart he got a bit of flack for blondes have more fun he got a flack for do you think i'm sexy which but is not as much no like not i nearly the level and it wasn't because this was they played disco music because they had played disco music before it's one of the most unfair <laughs> things i've ever come across in music is that the bgs got vilified because they sold like 35 yes it's one thing to do the devil's music there are lots of bands doing that but to do the devil's music really well yes and once they, again you know what you know what the point is rob it's not it has nothing to do with disco music it's Okay, you did well with your album like Peter Frampton, that's great. But you do even more astronomically better than Peter Frampton. Oh, you guys are untouchable. 
then there's a backlash for no reason because they hate you just because you're so popular and all people <laughs> do is talk about you and all the kids do is talk about you. And there was there is a backlash to the Bee Gees to this day. To this day, yeah. and they've never lived it down. The just because they were popular, just because they sold an unbelievable amount of records at that time. And Michael Jackson never really went through that with Thriller. I don't know. Maybe because, maybe you're right. Maybe because it was disco music and they didn't want disco music to sell it, 30 million copies. I mean, but yeah, it was it, so unfair. Yeah, the rockers were already uh, viewing disco as kind of a... The, a potential threat, a thing that could kill rock and we, roll. The people really did think that, and we will get to that next week. And, and the fact that these guys had done it really, really well, these oh, did they do it well? Rockers, yeah, these people that didn't actually it, it, play disco music before. It was like burning down the church. It was. These are the worst guys to burn. It's like the priest burning down the church. I've, I've seen them. I don't know if you've seen the interview they did for the new music in Canada. They had released an album called. I think sizes and everything about 19 late 1990s something like that I can't remember but I remember that and the new music was one of the best music doc I don't know what you call it best music shows that there ever has been because nobody had a dedicated a whole hour to talking to about all types music, of musicians and it was a lot of from the music. Bee Gees to an independent group they were it's a great <laughs> show but the guy who was doing the interview uh with the Bee Gees had mentioned I think he just talked about, he just put yeah, what he talked about was, about was, oh, do you feel like people are not going to listen to your new album because of the backlash of Saturday Night <laughs> Fever? And two of them walked out, Morris Gibb and Robin Gibb. No, I can't remember which one. I know Robin Gibb walked out and somebody else walked out just because, the, just because they were so hurt that everything got mentioned as, you guys suck after Saturday Night Fever, which they didn't. It's just that people didn't want to hear them anymore because there was such prejudice against them and it must have hurt so much they actually walked out of the interview and it wasn't a harsh harsh question but they had had enough talk about a new album come on we're doing good things and it was so heartbreaking and then i remember barry gibb was sitting there just kind of like eh? <laughs> you know i you know i'm i'm not gonna leave but oh my god it was so Let's it just might get be this on, over it with, might be on YouTube. Some one word answers and let's just yeah exactly it might be on youtube i don't know but I, I i just never forget that and i'll never forget how bad i felt for them uh just because they just didn't deserve it and you know this album is so great it is so magnificent and i'm not a fan of disco music i like it i'm not a prejudice against it like a lot of people are but I'm not a big fan. You know, me and you aren't big fans. At fan. the time, I was a rocker, and uh, I deliberately didn't listen to disco. Therefore, I couldn't judge it. Right. <laughs> you just weren't yeah. allowed to. No, I understand that. I understand. <laughs> I, was in a no, different, I was in a different I was probably about uh, 15 or 20 years after um, uh, hearing the songs and actually uh, finding out a bit more retrospective about the Bee Gees' career. And... Uh, it was like, yeah, wait a second. Uh, that's just a, a rock band doing something different. The other guys did this too. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing about this album is that it, it follows in, in, in many ways the, 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 the combination or the, the, the pablum, I'm going to say, that Greece would follow, which was that they put all the... BG songs on one side 
Now, the thing that's different from, of course, Greece did that. Yes, and a lot of the other songs. Is that this album is amazing with its other three sides. It's just absolutely amazing. There's one or two songs that are, you know, of course, because, and it's also amazing uh, that everything blends. They're all taken from, most of it is taken from previously recorded albums, and yet it all blends like it's meant to be one cohesive double album. This and it like, just stuns uh, me. Quentin Tarantino or the guy who did Miami Vice is like they—they they just got a mind for matching the right music with the uh, what's going on. That's exactly the point. It's like it's like they knew exactly what they were doing. Well, on the Grease soundtrack, what they did was insult our intelligence by putting out a uh, three albums or three records, oh, three, three sides, sides of crap. <laughs> and this is the total opposite. These people cared. They wanted to make sure that every song fit into the song coming after. It is. The songs that they pick, and there are a lot of instrumentals, and I love instrumentals as far as some of the that's what we're missing nowadays is instrumentals, and some of these are really good. <laughs> some, some of the instrumentals with the uh, the strings and the uh, the walka walka guitar, it, it did remind me a bit of um, uh, TV theme songs from the seventies. It did, it did. <laughs> but you know what I liked really uh, a lot about is 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 first of all, there's a lot of variation. There's horns that come in, and then the yeah. horns die down, and the strings come in, and they're all real instruments, which yeah. which would hamper a neat disco little timing later. things and uh, the stops and uh, the the shots and exactly real yeah. drums and the shots coming in and then the music coming down. Yeah, and it's and all, not just all these on the guys floor. were good. Like this was like kind of the cream of. Uh, this is the cream of the players who backed the the disco musicians on their albums and everything, and they know what they're doing. And this is not, like I was, was going to say, it's not just four on the floor. Blah, 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 blah. Even Disco Inferno, which is 10 minutes long, I love this song, is you think, oh, it's just going to be 10 minutes of the same thing because that's what disco is. No, there's a guitar solo. And I love him riffing with his voice in the middle of the song. And yeah, it's a little too long. But you know what? For an 11-minute almost disco song. It was fine song. to dance to. In fact, uh, my first memory of that song was uh, there was a commercial on TV back late 70s where uh, there was a fella, you too can learn to disco dance. <laughs> and this was playing in the background. <laughs> I think he had like a couple records and a booklet with uh, footstep patterns. and uh... <laughs> Oh, and that they played Disco Inferno? Yes. You know, it almost became even more than the Bee Gees in some ways uh, identified with the Sad Night Fever soundtrack. Now, it's funny, but when I think of the Sad Night Fever soundtrack, I think of the Bee Gees as a group, but I think of Disco Inferno as the song, even though, of course, there have been bigger songs like Staying Alive and How Deep Is Your Love and whatever. My my The song that I associate with Saturday Night Fever is Disco Inferno. <laughs> and, of course, I associate that cover and the Bee Gees. The cover, yeah. Mm. That really, uh, that that was the era right there. And uh, even Kishi songs like A Fifth of Beethoven, I think really yeah, works well. That's I know, one I'd heard on the radio as well. Yeah, that's that was a big hit that, before uh... Saturday Night Fever. It was a big hit on the radio. And, uh, I, you know, as much as that song has got derision, uh, fuck that. You know, it's really catchy. It's really good. And uh, The neat, or the, the, the keyboard playing... Uh... Yeah, I love that. That is the coolest. That's like uh, as cool as green onions. <laughs> you know, it's I. You know what? That's a great statement. I agree with that. It's three minutes and three seconds long, 
and it's perfect for three minutes and three seconds long. Yeah, it's electric can, piano, that's what. Yeah, and he, there's a perfect solo in there, just like Green Onions. Some people are going to be really pissed off <laughs> that we compared a fifth of Beethoven to Green Onions, but listen to it. Don't yeah. be stigmatized the by the past. The playing mm-hmm. and the arrangement of that song is just great, and for three minutes, uh, it's just an enjoyable ride, just like Green Onions is. But, of course, Green Onions people take so seriously, obviously, and they don't take Fit the Beethoven seriously. And then it, and then the kind of, even in before you get to side three and four, most of the big songs that are new get used up. And yet you're surprised that the instrumentals like Manhattan Skyline by David Shire. They still is so hold good. you. Yeah, yeah. it still holds you. And it, and, it, and it just seeks perfectly into the next song. And you go... I should be hating this song, but I don't because there's real instruments, there's it real was dynamics. So much easier to hate if you didn't listen to it. Exactly, <laughs> that's exactly the point with a lot of music, and we're going to take, we're going to talk about that more with other albums about, and hey, I may be responsible for that too at that time, not picking or listening to this album and hating it because it's a disco album and not even listening to it. To it, so yeah, yeah. you know, I think a lot of rock. Fans, I, mean, I, I would have to presume at least ninety percent of rock fans back then hated disco yeah. albums without listening to them, and that's a crime. Because now that I've gotten older, I realize how stupid we were and how, and uh, which we'll talk about next week. It's like we're that running with out the, of every generation. Uh, did you want anything more to say about it? What did I mean? I did want to mention how uh, why it was a threat to the establishment, the rock and roll establishment. There were no guitar solos on this album. No, actually, actually, <laughs> no. The, there was in uh, Calypso Breakdown. There, there uh, was an uh, there was an acoustic guitar solo. Yes, I heard in. Uh, you should be dancing. There's a guitar solo, but uh, you, you know, should be dancing. That's the last BG song uh, yeah. on side three. There. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yes, there was an eight bar guitar solo, but it was underneath the horns. Yeah. <laughs> so you 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 are right though. There are there are about. At the most, three guitar solos yep. on a on a record that's eighty minutes long. Yeah, don't hear that with the, <laughs> with a lot of disco and the, for all the rock groups there. Think about it. If they're gonna start playing disco, what does their lead guitarist do? And you know what? He's out of the band. He's fired. They were right because <laughs> there is no lead guitar in in popular music nowadays. Yeah. So they were. I, we're going to touch I, again. Disco is such a fascinating subject. We're going to touch on later episodes on how disco changed music so much that it, it affected the music we listen to now uh anything oh you Robert, i still had uh, two more things to yeah. say well actually i wanted to mention the length of the album uh most double albums are about 80 minutes this one's what close to uh, uh an hour and 20 minutes that is 80 minutes for you people out there <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah okay no but this one was longer wasn't it? No, this was uh, this was seventy five minutes and fifty four seconds. Okay, and I misread the darn thing. Um, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, it was about the BG songs and the fact that to this day I still hear uh, the, at least five of those six songs on radio or its TV or computer equivalent being played regularly yeah you know these songs <laughs> it's so funny because these songs which after 1978 became so made fun of and uh, so derided after the wave of popularity had gone and they had become too popular now it has come back and these songs are uber classics 
They are yeah. uber, they are spoken by almost everybody in popular culture as and, you as know, godlike. <laughs> and as much as there are still rockers who adhere to the old ways, uh, a lot of people who who now like it, they were also in the same thing where they hadn't listened to it and just, you know, they were trying to be cool with their friends. And, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. a lot of people who didn't listen to it back then are listening to it now. And uh, Cool is a big thing. Enjoying it. It's amazing. If there's one thing I just want to say, it's amazing the kids nowadays, how they have so few prejudices against music. Like, they can listen to this and the kids go, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and they actually turn each other on to music to different forms. Back then, oh my God, it was a war, which we will talk about. <laughs> oh my God, it was a war. The mods versus the rockers. Oh. It all started out with the mods and the rockers. <laughs> <laughs> I actually kind of did. Was, uh, <laughs> Probably one of the first uh, divisions in music because before that, everyone was a rocker. Everyone was a rocker. Or as Ringo Starr said, a mocker. <laughs> um i give this uh i give this album five out of five i can't even consider giving it less than five out of five i think it has deserved to sell as many records as it did and i just want to put down for the record i think what has happened after this album became popular to the bgs and any group that was associated with it is is a shameful uh black mark on on not on rock music history yeah. and music history in general. Those guys were great writers and great players, and this was just about the time they were uh, starting their zenith of uh, being incredible. And like I say, with those songs, you know, still on the radio, and other songs they did it around that time. Well, what's your rating, Rob, on this one? The Bee Gees alone, I was going to give uh, them five and a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like, I'm blown away. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the other stuff, uh, I'd give about uh, four and a half. So it averages out to about uh, a little more than four and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give that a five because... I yeah, don't, I don't round like, it up. I don't. I don't like to speak for Rob. It's not. It can't be four and three. Quarters I know that Rob because it's better than four and three quarters. So what are you going to say? It's between four and three quarters yeah. and five. I, yeah, just add the. Extra I'm. Page. I'm. I'm going to add it up, <laughs> and I'm going to say we give this ten out of ten because you know what? Yeah. If you're still one of people our age and are still saying I'm not going to buy the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack or listen to it because it's disco. Well, you still don't get it, and you should, because every Rock collection... and roll is no longer under siege. <laughs> there is no war, people. Go home. Take off that. Yeah. You're like that Japanese soldier on the island there. Pick up an album. It's actually one of the most essential albums in music history. They have a list, of course, the 1,001 essential albums of all time that you have to listen to before you die or whatever. I've never seen the list. But, but it this, exists. This, it, it does exist. It became a book. It's a very popular book. Uh, this is an album that Oh, it should be in the top 100 of albums you have to at least listen to, if not all. If uh, you can't groove to this, you're deaf. We all know oh, I hate those deaf pricks. Yeah, you don't like deaf people or blind people, do you? Blind people, I got no problem with. But those <laughs> deaf... Oh. <laughs> well, that's our show for today. Oh, uh, just one more note. Cool in the gang. I got to hear more of them just because of horns. Okay. Done. Okay. <laughs> uh, Rob's last note was more cool in the gang. More cool in the gang. We will, you know, we will do a, a cool in the gang album, a whole album in the future. Like sure. I say, really, uh, well, anyway, yeah. Uh, so that's our show for today. We hope you enjoyed it. And tune in next week for another episode full of mayhem and music. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, the title of my second solo album. Mayhem, mayhem and music. Mayhem. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that one didn't sell so well. No, uh, they didn't. People <laughs> thought it was going to be just a lot of avant-garde music. Because it's yeah, you shouldn't have put the fish in the album. <laughs> People didn't like that. That white suit didn't help me either. <laughs> a band can only wear white for one album. That's True. all they're allowed to do. Okay, uh, thanks everybody. Take care. Good morning. Just write her off.